0: I have done a lot of important interviews so far in 2022, but I think this next one is the most important. Forget about COVID for a minute. Forget about convoys. Forget about the Olympics. Stop what you're doing, and let's talk about the story of a 14-year-old girl from Tilsonburg who needs life-saving surgery. Her name is Caitlin McKibben, and she has a rare condition called thoracic outlet syndrome. It's bilateral, so it's in both sides of her body. It is something that happens when blood vessels or nerves in the space between your collarbone and your first rib are pinched. It can cause blood clots and it needs to be addressed. The problem is, in Caitlin's case, the issue is even more pronounced, and there is not a doctor who will take her on as a patient because the risk is too great. Now, her family has found a doctor in the United States, but that comes at a cost of nearly $300,000. The family has set up a GoFundMe, and so far they are short of their goal. I will share the info at the end of this interview. I will tweet it out as well there is a process wherein you can apply to the province to cover health care costs but the success rate on that is not great and time is of the essence to talk about this we are joined by caitlin and her father dan thanks to you both for joining me thank you
1: yeah
0: thank you uh caitlin maybe just to to start with you when did you first notice uh, something was wrong
1: Um, actually it was pretty sudden. Um, I've always had like really cracky shoulders and stuff. Even before I had a phone, um, I had a lot of, um, adults and even people my age that they would tell me, they'd be like, Oh, you're spending too much time on your phone. That's why your shoulders always hurt. And I'm like, Oh, I don't have a phone. (laughs) Um, at the time I remember, it was just around Valentine's day when it first happened. Um, I think me and dad were watching something on the TV and, um, my arm felt numb, but I was really tired that day and I didn't think much of it. Um, cause you know, your feet go numb all the time, but then I'm like, wait a second, arms don't go numb. Like what, why is my arm numb? So I went to the kitchen and I'm like, oh, it's probably, maybe I got something in my arm or maybe I bruised myself, like something like that. And I go to the kitchen and like, it's purple, like it's completely purple. And I'm like, what? Like, I was like, I was totally scared. Like, I didn't know, like what was wrong, like what was happening. Um, but I was trying not to freak out. Um, we ended up going to St. Thomas Emerge merge that night. And I remember they didn't know what was wrong, but they knew that there was a clot that was blocking, um, a vein that was causing like blood flow to not go to my arm, which was causing it to swell up and turn purple. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite terrifying actually. And it really hurt. Like, it was like, um, you know, when someone takes your blood pressure, it's like that, but your hands numb and it like really hurts, like someone's like almost squeezing it, like way too tight. Um, but yeah, it was it was really weird to be honest.
0: I can I can imagine. I mean, so how long did it take them to figure out what exactly uh, was going on? Oh
1: yeah um,
0: yeah, they the, the
2: uh, well in the hospital they were. I mean, you know, as Caitlin pointed out, they had basically uh determined that there was a clot there but in, ter- in terms of the origin they had to do a- an ultrasound first to find out in a ct scan and uh that's when they saw the clot the only thing is they didn't know what exactly caused it and um leading in up to that they you know they kind of assumed that it was um probably potentially even genetic because there are blood clotting disorders people can have um mm-hmm. but also uh Mechanical impingement and and, uh, wasn't too long after. I guess uh, there were some additional ultrasounds and a CT scan that basically revealed there's a mechanical impingement.
1: Yeah. I mean, remember Dr. Tole did a bunch of like DNA tests, like to try and see if it was a clawing disorder, which it isn't. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I've had it for so long now. I'm just trying to figure out when it like started. Like, I would say a couple months. I mean they definitely didn't know at the beginning that's for sure
2: yeah so- it took it took a while because they had to put it on blood thinners in order to get the clots uh, addressed and when you're on blood thinners they can't do the DNA testing to determine if there's any natural uh, sort of underlying genetic pre uh, you know preconditions so uh, eventually they were able to find out that there isn't and this is purely a mechanical impingement issue
0: what does it restrict you from doing like I was reading you can't put your arms over your head, right? You can't lift them up because that causes some issues?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, at the beginning, I could still kind of lift my arms over my head, but, like, like, I can't do it now. Um, I used to have long hair, and um, when brushing long, curly hair, you have to, like, kind of work from the bottom, go to the top. I can't do that. Like, I literally, I can't brush my hair at the way top. Like, I can't. I can't do that. Um, I can't wash my hair. Um, getting stuff that is in high cabinets, I can't do because I can't lift my arms that high. Um, Hat. Well, think, um,
2: swimming activities. I can't do uh, hair
1: either. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, so yeah. Dan, as a parent, uh, how difficult has this been?
2: Well, it's uh, it is difficult uh, indeed because you don't like to see your kid. Going through, uh, uh, struggles like this. And then in, in recent months, of course, uh, as we we'll have probably talk here in a minute, the condition has deteriorated. Um, and she's now on oxygen. And so this is particularly disturbing because, you know, you really want to help, uh, your child and you're, you know, asking questions and trying to research the topic yourself and, uh, waiting for tests and doctors to try to come up with answers. But, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a bit of a journey here because we're now about on the second, or sorry, we're two years into this. And, um, you know, it's, we, we have a kind of a, a path forward that we see, but for a while there was, um, it was quite difficult to, you know, not be able to help your child, um, kind of regain a lot of those functions. And then to also see her, uh, it cut off from doing the things she loves to do. She used to like to curl and, and kayak and all that sort of thing, but also now to the point where, when she would go to school, getting to school would be hard just to walk there. And then certainly uh, to go upstairs and, and such was uh, proving to be, you know, quite impossible. So um, she's on oxygen right now, and that uh, that definitely inhibits a lot of things that she can do.
0: So in terms of the – you mentioned – that I mean, it's it's a rare condition to begin with, and it seems as though – as it specifically relates in this case, it's even more rare and it's doctors uh, are really uh, hesitant in this country uh, to want to do it just because of, I guess, the potential dangers. Uh, So I guess maybe just uh, if you could talk a little bit about just how rare uh, this is and and some of the the issues that has presented itself.
1: um, Well, there's a Thoracic Outlook Facebook website. Anybody can check it out. Um, It's just, It's on Facebook. Um, And it's kind of crazy because most people there only have it in one arm. They only have, like, thoracic outlet syndrome and impingement in one arm. And, like, very few, only, like, I think there's two other people that actually have clots because of it in their lungs. And most of them are between 20 and 30, so there's not a lot of young people either. Um, Not to say 20 and 30 isn't young, but you know what I mean, like Mm -hmm. my age, um, 14. And well the problem is is they most surgeons don't like to cut when you have clots in your lung, period. I have clots in my lung and my veins are impinged and arteries, which they don't they don't like dealing with that on top of that. Not to mention, when they do the surgery, they would have to be super close near my um spinal cord. So like one round move and it could impair me for life, like it's not they don't it's it's very complicated. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: so, it's, it's, a
0: complex, I mean, I have, it's a
1: complex surgery.
0: Yeah, and I uh, can understand. Uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, no, it's okay. Um, it's you know, I'm I'm curious, you know, in terms of, I understand, you know, the doctors being hesitant, but you're also on your side, you know, uh, you Caitlin, you Dan, uh, Dan, in terms of wanting to address this in some way. So, I mean, uh, when. when what's what's the process been like, but also you have found a doctor in boston who is who who is willing to do this and has done a lot of these, which I imagine would would uh give you some some optimism in in that sense so what has this process been like going from doctor to doctor
2: so basically um we started off with with trying to find surgeons that would would do it here in ontario um we there is a surgeon he uh sorry a vascular surgeon that would uh cover kind of this geographic region um she opted not to do it uh because of the risks in, in this and her present condition too with the clots in her uh, lungs and just the, the nature of the surgery being pretty uh, it's it's pretty invasive uh, they have to essentially remove a section of rib from below the collarbone on both sides and um that's kind of the general accepted way of doing it the idea is that if you think of it this way each side you have a vein and artery and a nerve that run basically pinched between your, uh, your first rib, your top rib and your collarbone. And in some cases uh, that is really narrow for some people. A lot of people even may have kind of borderline, but um, it doesn't usually sort of manifest itself into, you know, a full on thoracic outlet syndrome. And what happens is it gets squished down and crushed. And uh, in, Caitlin's case, they would have to do it both sides. Now, part of the issue is that uh, because of that and her age, and as Caitlin had uh, mentioned, to the uh, lung clots in her lungs, it makes it particularly difficult. So, we've had um, a couple of surgeons outright uh, tell us uh, no, there's really only a handful of vascular surgeons in the province that'll actually do this. And uh, we had one that uh, it wouldn't. Basically, get back to us. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't leave us a lot of op- uh, you know options. There was a uh, vascular surgeon that we found through uh, some contacts. Yes, it's Mike in Toronto, and um, he normally performs on adults. And he said he would consider looking at this. He definitely agreed that this was definitely required. Um, however, his concern is her age and the fact that you can potentially have rib grow back. So. Into your early adult age, your ribs keep growing. And I guess when they normally cut the section out, it can regrow, but potentially also grow back into making contact with those uh, veins, uh, the vein artery and, and nerve and cause um, lack of use of your uh, appendages, like your arms. Um, it can cause nerve issues. And you can have all kinds of complications. So he was saying, you know, absolute earliest 17 uh, because of this. The problem we have, though, it's the timeline for doing this is kind of uh, becoming sort of precarious. Uh, Caitlin's condition seems to be worsening, and she's in the hospital uh, definitely more frequently. The last time was uh, pretty scary. And uh, we we it kind of, you know, made it obvious that we had to look at uh, what other options we had. So that's when we found the uh, surgeon in Boston, Dr. Donahue. And uh, his process is a little bit different. So um, I don't know if you want me to kind of explain that, but he takes basically the whole rib on both sides, and that eliminates the danger of um, the rib growing back into the area that would uh, potentially impinge on those, you know, vein, nerve, and artery.
0: So uh, you found him, which is the good news. Uh, other good mm-hmm. news is he can do it uh, pretty soon. There is, you know, an urgency, as, as you said. Yep. Uh, but I, I guess maybe looking at uh, if all goes well, April, the issue is, of course, it's the United States. Uh, there's a cost with that. Uh, what would this whole procedure cost?
2: Combined, uh, she would need two surgeries for both sides. The total is just under 300,000 Canadian. So it's pretty expensive. Um, I think we can probably get the first surgery now with uh, the, the help we're receiving. And, um, we've, uh, we have some equity In my case, I'd sold my home and, um, her mother's looking at refinancing hers as well. So between that and, and the um, the help that we're getting right now, I think we could probably pull off uh, the one and we would start with the worst side and then, um, after that there'd be a period to uh, kind of recover from that surgery and then ideally go for the go for the other one and get it done um, the longer we wait the greater the chance of additional clots potentially moving into areas like the heart the brain that sort of thing and that's uh, definitely uh, not good so the urgency is there Um and that's why we launched the uh, the fundraising campaign
0: so uh, I will make sure people know uh, where uh, to do that and where people can donate and get more information. Um, before we run out of time, uh, Caitlin, um, what do you look forward to doing after this is fixed? Uh, I want to leave people on a looking forward because we'll we'll get this taken care of. So, what are you look what are you looking forward to doing after this is all done? Um. Well, I
1: mean. I know this is going to kind of sound dumb, but swimming again, I, I really miss swimming. I've, I've loved swimming and curling. Um, I actually was supposed to do professional curling this year. Um, ironically with my best friend and I just, I really miss like hanging out and being able to do things that, well, you know, my friends can do and I can't. So not to mention, um, not carrying around portable oxygen. That would be lovely. (laughs) So yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a great goal uh, to have, and uh, we'll we'll strive towards it. Uh, Caitlin, uh, Dan, uh, thank you both uh, for joining me today. Thank you very much. That's Caitlin and Dan McKibben. To donate to the GoFundMe, go to gofundme.ca. Search for Dan McKibben. His last name is spelled M-C-K-I-B-B-O-N. The GoFundMe is called Help Caitlin Get Surgery to Save Her Arms and Lungs. Caitlin is spelled K-A-Y-T-L-Y-N. A link will be included in our web story on this. I will also tweet one out with the link on my Twitter account. You can also email me and I will send you the link.